Jamie Killian and his bride, Kelly, are here uh, leading worship for the month of May, and we're so thankful. Uh, Jamie teaches over at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, raising up young champions in the Lord to go out all over the world and sing and lead churches in worship. So I admire a man who realizes that he wants to multiply himself by investing in not just one church, but literally will be thousands through the the guys and men and women that he pours into. So thank you guys for being here. Little side news, James Reardon family is sick. Don't know what's going on, but they've quarantined their home, so they're not here. But pray for them. Pray for Mary. She was the sickest last night. When the real MVP goes down, I mean, it's like scary times. So, yeah, somebody said amen. Luke chapter 6 is where we're at this morning. A strong house. A strong house. You may have grown up in a strong house. You may not have. Uh, There's probably a lot of emotions happening today for a lot of people on this Mother's Day. But I hope that here's here's what is about to happen. That God, through His Spirit, will comfort you, will encourage you, and would fire you up about what he's excited about, about what he's thinking about, but about what he's doing on this earth. Jesus taught profound truths, and then he taught very, very simple truths that even a child can understand. And this passage, maybe more than any that we've seen in the book of Luke, is so simplistic, it is so clear, it is so straight and plain that if you miss it, it's because you're not even on the same, you're not even on the same planet. And so I'm going to pray that God will help us to focus and to look into his word to hear what he has to say to us this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we need you. God, we're desperate for you to speak, to touch us, to encourage us. God, I pray that for those this morning that do not know you, God, that you would open up their eyes to help them see that you are mighty to save, that you are here, that you want to work in their life, save them. God, give us holy focus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 43. We're going to read verses 43 through 45. And then we'll come back later and read the rest of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. If you're with me, say fruit. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, 
produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Here you see a good tree and a bad tree. Basically, what Jesus is teaching is a comparison of a born-again person to a lost person. A Christian with a non-Christian. Not a church member with a non-church member or a church attender with a non... No, somebody that has had a life change and then when people are singing to the Lord, you just can't help but tap your foot a little bit. When people are singing to the Lord, you can't help but think, man, I might not be where I need to be, but yes, I believe that... God saved me. Yes, I believe that God's worked in my life. Yes, I believe that we're singing to the living God. So, the lost person with the, the, the saved person is a comparison here. And a good tree is one that's been born again. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Hear this verse. Jesus said, I will give you a new heart. God told his people, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because that's what happens when salvation happens in your life. God takes, he gives you a new heart, spiritually speaking. You get a heart transplant. That's what happens. And he puts his spirit inside of you. So the question is, do you have a new heart this morning? Or do you still have the same heart that you were born with spiritually? It's a question we all have to ask ourselves. And it's an important question if we're going to spend, if it determines where we spend eternity. The sinful heart inherited from your parents is what you're born with. But you don't have to stay like that. So that's a great question to ask. Do you have a new heart this morning? Verse 43 says that. A good tree bears, no, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. So Jesus says if, you, if someone's born again, they're going to produce good fruit. If someone is lost, they're going to produce bad fruit. He said figs don't come from a thorn bush plant, and grapes don't come from a bramble bush or a briar bush. Instead of producing fruit, a bramble bush or a thorn bush, they do what? Anybody ever get walk into a briar patch? The first one gets you, and then you reach down, you're trying to grab that, that briar off of you, and what happens? Another one gets you. And before you know it, you're stuck. Before you know it, those briars are trying to hold you back from going where you need to go. And that's what bad trees do. That's what bad fruit, they try to... Now look, you can put a fig on a thorn. You can put a grape on a briar bush, but they're not going to be real. They just, just look pretty for a little while. It's counterfeit. It's fake. It's not real. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Many of the Pharisees were fake. They were counterfeit. Luke 16 says, The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things that Jesus taught, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of the God. 
In other words, if you're going to go with the world, friend, you can't go with Jesus. You can't pick both. And then in verse 45, the Lord says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. That same treasure Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew. says the parable of the kingdom. It's like hidden treasure. It's like a man who finds a treasure hidden in a field. And what does he do? He sells everything that he has, and he goes, and he purchases that field because he believes in that treasure. He told another parable about a man who found a rare pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And this man, he found a very rare pearl of great value, and what did he do? He went and sold everything so that he could buy that one. Friend, we have treasure in broken jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God, not to us. And then the evil person, out of their heart, they produce evil. Jeremiah says, the heart's wicked, it's desperately sick. You mean my little grandbaby? Well, friend, maybe not right now. Maybe it's that innocent heart, but sooner or later, it's going to come out. You're going to try to get it back in, but it's going to come out. Deceitful. So next, let's see what happens. We see a strong house in the Scripture. Jesus said, build your house on the rock. Let's look at verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Man, that's a strong verse, isn't it? We can just stop right there. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Strong house. It's an illustration. Now, we just talked about babies, right? Psalm 27, if you saw the first slide, it says, Behold, children are a what? A heritage from the Lord. The fruit of their womb, a reward may not seem like it the first few years when you don't get to sleep at all and you're always late to everything you want to do. But those babies are fruit. They are a reward from God Almighty. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now I had, I was going to try something here and we'll try it one more time, but I don't think it's working. Let's try that reflector. At the bottom of the screen, you'll see a reflector app. It looks like a... No, let's see. Don't think it's working. It's not, it's not you guys, you're doing great. It's just that computer. We have to cast that demon out. Sometimes it comes. Let's try it one more time. I was going to draw, mainly for the, ch the children in the house... I was going to draw a house. I was going to put little people in it. I was going to put Jesus as the foundation. 
okay? So that's a strong house that you dig down deep and you build your house and your family on Christ. And so then there's another house. And under that house, it's built on the world and on self. And there's some little people in that house too. And then I was going to draw some rain, a big raindrop. Cancer. No money. Broken relationships. Flat tires. Mosquitoes. Gnats. Difficulty. Co-workers going crazy. Your children losing their mind. I was going to put all those raindrops. And then what happens? Flood comes. Flood comes. Then the water rises. It keeps rising. And Jesus is saying that the house is built on him, friend. It's going to be okay when the waters rise. Because it's not built on anybody else but him. And he is the chief cornerstone. But that house that's built on the world and on self, friend, that wave's going to overtake it. It's going to wash it away. And that's what the Lord's teaching here. I think about arrows. So then I was going to go to a different, a new slide and draw an arrow, like a bow and arrow. Second service, we may get to do this if we can fix that computer. But some people raise arrows, and man, they look pretty. I mean, they've got, they're just looked apart, you know? Cute little boogers. And that they just beautiful arrows and and parents raise these little arrows to be beautiful. But they're really not straight. They're just kind of curvy. And and they a lot of parents do this and we all are, can be guilty of we want to keep them in that quiver, right? Keep them in the quiver and let everybody look at them. And uh man, they just look so beautiful in that quiver. But eventually, arrows are made to fly. If you keep the arrows in the quiver forever, they're not going to fulfill their purpose. And if an arrow, sometimes helicopter parenting is a real thing. Sometimes we come to the rescue too quickly, and it's hard to do miss your baby, right? You love them more than anything. But we need to raise up champions that are going to go out into the world and make a difference, that are tough, that are founded on Christ. That's what the Lord's teaching here. Don't we want kids that can drink from a water hose? Now, I know this is bad, politically incorrect, but not at first, okay? You'll get scalded, but after it runs for a little bit. Don't we want kids that can do that and not get sick? You know, there's a, there's a people group right now in Bangladesh, and uh, I had it written... Listen to this. The Sheikh People Group, Bangladesh. Population, 136 million people. 136 million people. One people group. You know how many people are in Mississippi? About 3 million. 136 million people. You know what percentage of those people are believers? Joshua Project, website, current, Research. You ready for this? 
0.00%. So if we're going to reach nations like that and people like that, we better raise up some champions that can take a bucket shower in the summer. That's not going to run away when it gets hard. so interesting. Psalm 145 is a blessed be the Lord my God and my rock. David was praying that. and It references the rock. So this scripture is build your house on the rock. Build a strong house. So David said blessed be the Lord my rock. And then I noticed just kind of stumbled across this this week. Verse 6 says send your arrows out and rout them. Now David was talking about in the right context he was talking about war. I mean he was in the war. But it's so interesting to me that you have other psalms talking about arrows being children sent out, out of the quiver. And then if you stay in Psalm 144, so the first verse is, Blessed be the Lord my God, my rock. Verse 6 says, Send your arrows out and rout them. And then if you go down to verse 12, listen to this. May our sons, totally random, okay? David's talking about war. And then in verse 12, May our sons and their youth be like plants full-grown. Our daughters, like corner pillars, cut for the structure of a palace. Pillars. Pillars. You push a pillar, it's not going anywhere. Solid. I think it's a picture. Verses have thousands of applications. So this morning, may we pray for our children, may we discipline them, may we try to walk with the Lord. For about 12 years, I served in student ministry before coming here. And so I got to see a lot of parents. And, a lot of, and what's funny is I didn't have teenagers, but I'm trying to help them raise theirs, which is so funny and backwards. And they taught me more than I taught them. But I watched parents that if parents that just kind of halfway tried to walk with the Lord, if they just halfway tried to walk with the Lord daily, I just noticed that the odds of their children loving the Lord increase like 90%. If they just halfway tried to walk with the Lord in their personal life. The problem is, a lot of parents just come to Sunday services and do their own thing, live however they want, and there's no lordship. So may we pray for them. Prayer is key. Prayer is number one. Prayer is, it's it. I can't emphasize that enough. Prayer. We all need to pray more. Grandparents, your prayers can change your kiddo's grandchild's life forever, which will in turn, domino effect, impact the whole world. So pray for them. May we discipline them. Spare the rod, spoil the child. There's many, multiple verses in the Old Testament about disciplining your child corporately. Corp- corporate punishment, really. You say, well, oh man, that's not politically correct. Friend, do you know that other countries make fun of America? because we don't discipline our children how the Bible says we should? You say, what doesn't work for my child? Discipline's more than just that, right? It's, it's a whole package. But your child does not want you to know that it works, and they're smart. And they're going to try to trick you and deceive you into thinking that it doesn't work. They're smart. 
it works. Jonathan Edwards, famous preacher, uh, he raised his children to fear the Lord, love the Lord. And I want to share with you just the legacy of this man's family. He invested his life into people and into his children. And a man by the name of A.E. Winshape did some research on his family legacy. He had 1,400 descendants, eventually, over a couple hundred years. 300 of those became preachers. 300. 100 became lawyers. Well, that's a group there, isn't it? Preachers and lawyers. One became the dean of a law school. 80 held public office. 66 became medical doctors. One became the dean of a medical school. 65 became professors at colleges and universities. 30 became judges. 13 became college presidents. Three became mayors of large metropolitan cities. Three became governors. Three became U.S. senators. One became the U.S. treasurer. And even one more became the vice president of the United States. If you want to leave a legacy to last beyond you, friend, build your house on the rock. How are we going to reach the world if we don't raise up some champions that know how to sweat? I'm so thankful that as a child, I would drop firewood on my toe all the time, and my dad would say, it'll be all right. And I would just whine and cry and complain, and that was good for me. Now, if your heart's broken this morning, I want to encourage you. By the way, uh, there's a... As way of encouraging you that, you know, life's tough, right? To encourage, this should encourage you. There's a couple by the name of uh, Tom and Gloria Thurman. They live in Columbia, Mississippi. Anybody know where that is? They are some of the most great, the greatest, some of the greatest missionaries Mississippi has ever produced. And so they served in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s in Bangladesh, where this people group is. They, they were ministering to a different people group, and they literally won thousands of people to Christ. Thousands. Just from rural Mississippi man and a rural Alabama woman. And God sent them to a dark, unreached place. These people are heroes. And they're, they're still, they live in Columbia. And in fact, senior adult conference we're going to in a few weeks, they're going to be there and you can meet them if you want to go. And anybody's invited to go to that, by the way. Miss Mississippi's going to be there. But I don't really care to see her. I'm going to see uh, the Thurmans. But Miss Mississippi is going to be there and it's probably somebody's granddaughter that I just offended. So anyway. <laughs> but as they were getting ready to come home, listen to what they, they wrote down some difficult trials that they had. And it says that we wouldn't have chosen these things, but this is what happened to us. Earthquakes that they went through with their families, by the way. Leprosy. Three robberies. Four broken bones. 291 countrywide strikes, 186 flat tires, frequent electricity failures, struggle with difficult language, floods, cyclones, convulsions, one stabbing in the hand, famines, tidal waves, droughts. This is in their newsletter, the last one that they sent out in 1998. 
They said, we are leaving, but the task is not finished. We came because of the lost millions of this land. We keep wondering who will come to take our places and to whose hands shall we place our missionary Bibles. Where are the youth whom God is calling to give their lives and service for preaching the gospel? Who will come to this land to search for the lost sheep? This morning, if you're discouraged, friend, let me, I'm going to share some verses, and I hope God encourages you. Psalm 27, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Deuteronomy 32, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. 2 Samuel 22, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. Psalm 62, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. 1970s. The Bola Cyclone, which is the Bola, is a tropical storm, a hurricane in Bangladesh, the same family I have mentioned, 1970s. It is still the deadliest hurricane on record. 500,000 people were killed. I don't know how many were killed during Katrina, but 500,000 people. Deadliest hurricane ever recorded, 1970. And with the smell of death in their nostrils, the Thurmans, with the help of a few men, carried pipes and pumps to remote villages that were unreachable by, by vehicle. They saved literally thousands of lives by getting water to over 200 towns. The ne- very next year, 1971, a civil war happened. The army arrived to suppress the revolution. The Thurmans lay on the bedroom floor for protection from stray bullets. Many occasions, they would hurl up together in a mission house with another missionary couple and their children and, and, and pray in the hallway. One night, the Thurmans were stumbling along in the darkness. Bombs were being dropped. They were stumbling along in darkness, searching for safety. And church, hear me. Their oldest son looked up at his dad and said these words. Daddy... I won't be afraid if you will hold my hand. Tom and Gloria Thurman prayed that same prayer that night. This morning, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, if you say that to the Lord, friend, you have his guarantee he'll hold your hand. Daddy, I won't be afraid. Whatever comes in the future, if you'll hold my hand. Can you pray that to the Lord today? Maybe you're here and you have so much heartache on this day that you're just miserable. Friend, God doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to see that he holds all things together. You don't have to hold up yourself or even hold yourself together because he holds you. 
We're about to sing a song of invitation, a response time for you if you'd like to respond in any way. But I hope through this very simple passage that you see that you can build your house and your home on the rock that's immovable. You know, the houses that shoot out arrows, children who are on fire for Jesus, those arrows will impact other houses that are not built on the rock. Those arrows will go out and reach many places. So if you want to multiply yourself, if you want to make a great impact, you have to be okay with this truth, that your children will surpass you in spiritual maturity, and your children will go and do greater things than you ever thought about doing. You've got to have that attitude if you want to make a large splash in the world. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, my children aren't even walking with the Lord. None of them. Friend, you can pray. You can pray, and God will send people on their path this week at the grocery store, in the workplace. If you pray and you ask God to turn that heart, to send people to pursue them. A lot of people come to know Christ because a mom or a grandmother started praying like crazy. Lots of people have come to know Jesus because of that. You respond this morning as we pray.